One of the most popular Christian movie franchises over the last seven years has been the God's Not Dead series. The first film absolutely blew Hollywood's mind in 2014. It was made for the paltry sum of $2 million. And keep in mind, the average movie today costs about $40 million. And they managed to parlay that into a $64 million return. These are the kind of numbers that Hollywood accountants dream of. The second and third films didn't rake in quite that much, but still did really well. Which brings us to the fourth film in the franchise, God's Not Dead, We the People, which is going to be a Fathom Events release October 4th through 6th. Hey everyone, Adam Holtz here, your host for The Plugged In Show. Focus on the family's weekly conversation about entertainment, pop culture, and technology. Thanks for joining us today. Well, each of the movies in the God's Not Dead franchise has revolved around some iteration of a conflict between religious liberty and the government basically trying to come in and control that and Christians figuring out what does it look like for us to push back against something that feels like our basic religious liberty rights are being violated. And so it is again this time around and the focus in this film of all things is homeschooling. And I say of all things, not to denigrate homeschoolers, but just because you might not think homeschooling would make (laughs) for a great context for a movie. But this one revolves around um, essentially the government trying to regulate what homeschoolers have to do to qualify for being able to do that. And we've got Christians who basically say, no, we're not going to conform to those policies. So that's the core of it. So we're going to talk about the film's messages about religious liberty and faith, as well as talking about why this type of Christian movie has broad appeal among lots of believers, especially those who feel that our religious liberties are under attack. A bit later on, I'm also going to be talking to singer Francesca Battistelli, who plays a key role in God's Not Dead, We the People. Well, joining me for our conversation today and later for our pulse-pounding culture countdown segment at the end of the show, thanks for that, Jonathan, are (laughs) Paul Acey, Kristen Smith, and Jonathan McKee. So today we're going to be diving into what I think is a complex conversation about a popular movie franchise that deals at its heart with the intersection of two totally explosive topics, politics and religion. And we may have all had somebody at our point that says polite people don't talk about politics and religion because, well, feelings get hurt, friendships get ended, people think bad things about what you think. But we're going to go there anyway because that's what we do. On, <laughs> that's what we do on the Plugged In Show is we we try to talk about what's happening in popular culture uh, and sometimes in Christian culture and, and where they overlap, which in this case they do in the movie, God's Not Dead, We the People. So let's dive into it. As I mentioned a minute ago, each of the previous three God's Not Dead films has focused on religious liberty. The first one dealt with a college student's right to proclaim his faith without being persecuted by a professor. Um, The second one was about a school teacher's right to share her faith when a student asked her about that. And the third one was about a church's right to exist on a college campus of a secular university. So what's the story this time around? And I've hinted at it a little bit, but let's flesh it out a little bit more. Yeah, you did a great job of actually setting it up. It's really about... So I've already answered my first question. You've answered your question. Um, So good, Adam. (laughs) 
Pastor David Hill, who has been sort of the focal point for the first three movies, his church has sort of helped start this co-op homeschool um, where a bunch of kids get together and they learn, you know, stuff that you learn in homeschool. Right. Uh, an inspector comes by, says, oh, you can't be talking about some of the stuff you're talking about. You can't be doing this sort of stuff. And she shows up unexpectedly, right? She shows up unexpectedly. It goes to court. The court says, you have to get your homeschool in order. Otherwise, in 10 days, your kids are going to be shipped off to regular old school. Um, it quickly shifts from that sort of local interest type of environment off to Washington, D.C., where um, parental rights and religious education itself is a huge hot-button topic at the moment on Capitol Hill. And so these parents and the pastor go off to Washington, D.C. to defend, essentially, what they're doing to speak about this particular movement. Um, And they're pitted against, of course, religious experts and a great many uh, more progressive politicians and it sort of develops from there the big showdown isn't really at that local level it's actually at the pinnacle of american power yeah i mean i think that is a plot shift is is suddenly we're dealing with something that is the epitome of local politics and then in a heartbeat we're talking about you know a national bill and essentially these parents go to speak at a congressional hearing before a bill that potentially forces all homeschoolers in the whole country to submit to government regulations about what the curriculum has to be. And if they won't submit, they get shut down. And the film makes it very clear that there are elements of that curriculum that will be at odds with the religious convictions of the homeschoolers. And so I think the core question here is, what are the homeschoolers' rights, you know, as people who have strong convictions and and religious convictions. And, and one of the interesting points that the film makes, and I actually really appreciated this, was they're joined by a whole bunch of other homeschoolers who are not necessarily evangelical Christians. Um, yeah, and, the number they gave in the film was 75% of yeah. homeschoolers are not motivated primarily by their religious views, mm-hmm. which I found pretty interesting. Yeah. And that, that was one of the things that I really appreciated about this movie is it had some very, very interesting points that it wanted and needed to make, and I think it made it effectively. All right. So here's where I want to go with our conversation about this particular movie specifically, but more broadly, other Christian movies that might be wading into cultural issues, because this franchise has done it, and a lot of other Christian movies have done it as well. Um, As I talk with other believers, it feels like people are in one of two camps. And I'm talking, you know, other convictional Christians. People either love these movies or they maybe just are like, I'm not sure I really am on board with what they're trying to do. And what I want to do is let's talk about why that is. What is it about a movie like God's Not Dead, We the People, that really resonates with so many believers And then circle back and say, for those who maybe don't resonate with this kind of storytelling, what is it about the way these stories are told that that maybe is, you know, difficult for them to engage with? So let's start with that first one. Why are these movies so popular among Christians? What are the elements that you think appeal to people? I think in this one particularly, um, each of them hits on a really, really like 
present topic, right? So right now there is a lot of conversation about what is being taught in school um, versus what morals and, and ethics do I want to teach my children? And so I think any parent who's struggling with that or who has asked themselves that question or has thought over it, they can look at this movie and think, wow, okay, someone's going to really discuss this. They're going to probably look at both sides, hopefully. Um, and then they're going to try to make decisions from that. So I think even in watching it, I really took away, like, I've already asked myself these same questions. So, yeah. like, if, depending on how things go, what do I want my children to learn? Do I want them to stay in public school? Do I want to homeschool them? Like, what am I going to do um, as a parent as the world continues to be the world? What's my mm -hmm. responsibility? So... I would, and I'm going to piggyback off that a little bit, because I think that the, the movie does effectively ask viewers to ask questions. Yeah. yeah. You know, and I, I think that that's a really positive thing. But but more than that, it, it, it asks viewers to get involved, to really spearhead a movement uh, against what, what I think most viewers of the movie would think would be this secular pushback against Christian values and against the Christian role in, in society. It feels to me like, if you will, spiritual red meat. You know, when, mm. you, when you hear about like a red meat speech in the political realm, you have people who are who you have politicians who are talking to people who already really buy into what you're saying. And the God's De Not Dead movies feel very much like that. You know, they're, they're speaking to a Christian audience. I don't think that they're trying to draw in new believers with this. They're talking to a Christian audience who has a vested interest in what they're talking about. And I think it's intended to get them fired up to understand that some of the values that they have long <laughs> held firm with um, are under attack. Yeah, absolutely. Mm, you know, I, I think another element of these movies that appeals to people, and I think this is an idea, maybe we can talk about it. I, as Christians, we can sometimes feel like an oppressed minority, and we can feel like our viewpoint is under attack from a secular world that is out to constrain us at the very least and maybe do worse than that. Um, but I also think it's safe to say when we talk about persecution, uh, our perspective on what persecution is or isn't in America is probably pretty different than what someone in China or a Muslim country might feel. Um, but Oh, go, ahead. Uh, go, go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. It's about to get me fired up. But I was going to say <laughs> part of this is and I think that's part of the movie's perspective, which I do agree with. If someone doesn't fight for liberty, it becomes that. Yes. And we've never seen that because we live in the United States. We really do have a privilege to be here. And so I think. A lot of this is coming from a perspective that says, like, sure, yes, we're not being persecuted the way that other Christians are around the world. It doesn't even compare. Right. However, what happens when you don't begin to stand up for freedom? Then what happens, right? It no. could go there. No, I totally love that. And, and the movie is actually framed by a speech from Ronald Reagan, and he's asking similar questions and saying similar things. And you know, uh, back to Paul's red meat commentary, you know, you want red meat, give me a, a nice clip from Ronald Reagan talking about freedom. And, and basically the upshot of that is exactly what you said, that once freedom is lost, historically, it tends to be lost forever. Yeah. And I will say, I, while I was watching that, I was thinking of my husband and I talk about this often. He's in the military and he always tells me that the greatest luxury that we have in the United States is the facade of, of freedom. And he said, we do have freedom, but 
it, it's very interesting to go behind the scenes to see what we're doing to make you feel safe. Hmm. So I think someone who's not in the military who doesn't understand that, I'm not in the military. I don't fully understand that, but he sees it every day. Hmm. So it's important to remember that, I think. Well, and we have a military wife in the movie. One of the characters is a woman whose husband died um, in action. And so she's coming from the perspective of a family that has paid the ultimate price to defend this kind of freedom. And so now back to that idea of red meat, I think that this is a film that appeals to our sense that that maybe we're under attack and that we have to band together to defend that. Um, and to some extent, I totally agree with that, with exactly like what Kristen was saying. And in other ways, that's one of the melodramatic elements that it's easy when I'm watching a movie like this, or maybe not easy, but I can step back and say, okay, wait a minute. Is that a totally accurate depiction of where we're at? All right. This is interesting. And I don't know if this is opening up a can of worms, but I just want to oh, throw the, this out. The worms the, are all I, over I, at this I, point. I, I, I want to, I want to, I want to ask this because I'm sure that most of you around the table have seen this series, uh, the chosen, which I think is fantastic. And, and I love their depiction of Jesus and just his love and his, grace and his humor and and there's that one episode where he's talking with you know his cousin john the baptist and john the baptist is about ready to go confront you know and about ready basically to go to his death he doesn't know that but jesus knows that um and jesus has a conversation with him and it's like are you sure you want to do that and i thought it was interesting because of course you know we're out of the pages of the bible in this whole series but the makers of the chosen decided to kind of paint Jesus as this guy who was riling, you know, up some things, but it was funny that he went and had this question with John the Baptist, like, are you sure you want to go make this confrontation? Did anybody else find that fascinating? I found it fascinating. I found it fascinating. And in the series, I think that when you look at chosen and you look at the God's not dead franchise, you almost have sort of the broad spectrum of what Christian entertainment looks like today, you know, in terms of what The Chosen tries to do, it really tries to bring, put flesh on the bones of what we've seen in Scripture. It really brings so many characters to life. It feels like a fully-fledged story. Um, God's Not Dead has, the franchise has a huge role, and I understand that, that a lot of people love it, and that is really good. It is also probably as much a sermon as it is a story. When you, mm, say when more you talk about, that, about Paul. when you talk about sort of that red meat character, you you have the, sort of the controversy that is being set up in the movie. Um, so many of the opponents, the people who are going against Pastor Hill and and his folks. Um, they're really kind of straw men, you know. Yeah. They don't feel like fully fledged characters, and it gives it. They're there to give the characters that we're supposed to care about the opportunity to speak and speak poignantly and passionately about the issues they care about. Yep. But that is a launching point to bring up some really good points and maybe to deliver a really great message. But it's not like the chosen, where you're engrossed in the story, where you're pulled in, where where it touches you on an emotional oh. level. This touches you more on an intellectual so much. level. Well, and, and that gets to my my observation earlier that there's a melodramatic element to this kind of storytelling. And if you think about melodrama and the history of it, the classic melodrama is, 
you know, the mustachioed bad guy in a black coat tying down a damsel in distress on the, the railroad tracks. <laughs> twisting his mustache. You know, and twisting his mustache <laughs> evilly. Um, and I think if this film has a weakness that some people who appreciate good storytelling might point out, it is exactly in what Paul was saying. He talked about strawman. The bad guys are really two-dimensional here. Um, they're that melodramatic mustachio, not literally, but metaphorically kind of villain. And I think that that potentially does a disservice to the reality that all the issues that we're talking about are really complicated, you know? And one other thing I think as a Christian, when I see Christians depicted that way in film, because often we're depicted with that kind of two dimensional melodramatic Absolutely. villainous intent. Yeah. Um, as a Christian, I completely check out of that story. And so anybody who's watching this movie who perhaps isn't among the faithful, you know, the choir that's being preached to, I'm not sure how effective this storytelling is going to be. Well, and sometimes, you know, when it comes to a message that we're communicating, there's the message and then there's how we say it. Yeah. And um, I'll just gracefully say that, you know, I think that a lot of these messages where we stand, we, we could we could take a stance that repels people or we could mm -hmm. take a stance that attracts people. And and uh, me personally, in my life, I really feel that uh, that God has been taking me and my ministry and really um, motivating me to try to um, come alongside people in love and point people towards truth in love and grace. And I always want to try to uh, take that approach. Um, I love the way The Chosen is doing that. Yeah, I think what I disliked, and Adam, you didn't ask this question, but I mean, you did, but we didn't get there, but here we are, um, was... <laughs> Kristen, what do you think? <laughs> just... Um, the us versus them mentality, which yeah. you had mentioned. Yes, yes. So I think what this negatively can do is really get you to a point where you're not even listening and hearing what someone else has to say if they disagree oh, with you. And amen. that's a huge issue. Um, mostly, well, number one, because there's no love in that because you just already assume out of pride that you are correct. And maybe you are. Hmm. But in the same way that I, you know, I might feel that in an argument that I'm correct in, you know, with my husband and I, if we're just in a disagreement, it doesn't give me the right to treat him like garbage. And it doesn't give mm. me the right to not listen to him and to respect the fact that he has his own opinions and his own views and his own thoughts. And so I think in a series like this, I do resonate with a lot of the points. Having been a school teacher, when like the inspector comes in and she's like going over the curriculum, the first thing I thought was, it's funny that it's being portrayed this way because this is not just a religious issue. Having been in the classroom, this happened to me all of the time. There's always something that someone has to say about how they want to twist curriculum. And it's interesting that the point is that they're like, well, the government needs to have oversight. Well, that's usually the issue because they're not in the classroom. They don't see the small things that happen. So this could be a much wider conversation outside of even a religious debate. Um, but all of it is done with such like, uh, I don't know, almost as if like they're the enemy and they don't see it the way I see it, and they're going to ruin it. And so and I need if, to... And if we don't fight them, they're going to take us out. I mean, yes. it's that us versus them But in, in the same way, you know, just, to, I guess, to look at both sides, I really do believe in standing for what I believe and for making sure that, you know, in the same way that if you get to have your point of view, I do too. And that is the beauty of where we live. And so when that's infringed upon, that's kind of where this comes from. 
there's a reason why the God's Not Dead movies have been so resonant across a, a huge sphere of, of Christendom, right? You know, and it's because it speaks to these felt fears, these felt dangers. And as I have been working here at Plugged In, I think that, that my perspective on Christian movies especially has sort of changed a little bit. I, I totally agree with what what everybody is saying. And yet when I look at the broad spectrum of Christianity itself, it's so broad, it's so diverse, we need to have a broad, diverse range of movies to speak to different people. Yep. This obviously speaks very powerfully to a lot of people, and I think that there's something there's something valuable in that. Yeah, absolutely. And, and I love that we've been able to have this conversation today because sometimes the opinions and the emotions can get heated when we talk about these things because our our Christian convictions and in some ways our political views are things that we hold tightly and we hold them tightly because there's so much at stake. I hope that what you've been able to hear in our conversation today is, you know, us talking about a story that prompts us to think about what's at stake. And I think some of the questions it raises are terrific ones. And some of the ways that it raises those questions, maybe we have questions about. Um, and, And with that in mind, I think, you're really going to enjoy hearing from Francesca Battistelli, who plays a homeschooling mom in God's Not Dead, We the People. So let's listen to what Francesca has to say about her involvement in this film. Let's face it, your God, your book, they're in the way. You feel that you're making a last ditch stand for your faith, and you've chosen this as a hill that you're willing to die on. Our whole faith started because one man chose a hill he was willing to die on. Francesca, we've already spent a bit of time in our podcast today talking about your new movie, but I would love to hear from your perspective what you felt the main themes are and why they're so important for us to grapple with today. You know, I think this film is so important, and especially in the times that we live in, you know, the themes certainly center around homeschooling, but you could really put anything in the category that it falls into because the the main theme of the film is freedom and Mm. the importance of that and how quickly it can be taken away. And um, I I think if we've all been not living under a rock, we all know that (laughs) the last year and a half have been um, incredibly difficult. And for some people, they may not see it from the same perspective, but for me, I think that we are on a, um, a slippery slope. And so the film really, it just really points to the importance of us being involved in these things and not turning a blind eye. Okay. Well, obviously I'm making an assumption, but I'm going to assume that people are, are maybe more familiar with you for your singing and your CCM career. How did you get involved with this movie? I would love to hear more about that. Yeah, it was just totally a God thing. We were, um, visiting family um, down in Georgia on a late Christmas trip. So it was in January and we got a call and I, and I remember asking my husband, it was a voicemail. I was like, is this even real? Like <laughs> you get plenty of those, you know, where you're like, I think this isn't even real. Um, but we, we called back and, and it was so real, but it was very quick. And it was like, Hey, we just, we're filming this movie and we start in two and a half weeks and we think you're perfect for this role. And so I thought, well, it can't be a very big role if they're just now casting it. Apparently that is how 
the film industry works. It's very different than the music industry. Um, <laughs> so they sent us the script and I thought, how are we going to, you know, rally all the kids, you know, from now until then. And um, as soon as I read the script, I was very excited and wanted to do it, but I still was like, how are we going to do this? And God just laid it all out. He was, he made it possible for us to move our family to Oklahoma for a month and, and film this film. And I mean, honestly, the fact that we homeschool is part of why it was so easy. Cause we just said, all right, kids pack your books. We're going to, uh, <laughs> to a very windy, cold place. Um, <laughs> but, but yeah, I don't even know how they found me. It was the publicist um, for the film who really was the one who, who fought for me and said, this is your girl. <laughs> and, um, I'm thankful because it was a blessing to be a part of. Well, obviously, as you mentioned, um, God's not dead. We, the people deals with the intersection of religious liberty. And, and the presenting case here is how much authority the government has over homeschoolers and, you know, how do we interact with the government how do you think Christian parents can help their kids really develop a clear understanding of the issues that the film deals with? Oof, that's a great question. I mean, I think that obviously age appropriateness matters, but you know, something that I learned recently, and you probably, most of you have heard this, um, when the, um, Secret Service is studying um, counterfeit money. They're studying how to spot a counterfeit. They don't study the counterfeit. They study um, the real thing. Hmm. And that's something that has stuck with us in so many different aspects and contexts, just in parenting and in life. Um, when you're trying to spot a fake, study the real thing. And so, you know, for us, that means teaching our kids what our nation truly was founded on and hmm. the things that the Bible says about how we're supposed to um, to treat the law and the, the, you know, the governance and all of that and, and how that can look, um, and kind of be twisted, uh, by the culture of the day and what people think, well, this is what it means to honor this or that. And so for us, it's just studying the real thing and really being grounded in the truth of God's word. Um, and I think this is a great movie for kids. Some may be like, why am I watching this? I'm too young. This is boring. <laughs> but yeah. I think for uh, for elementary age and up, I think it's a really great story and there's lots to it. There's um, some really great relationship pieces and some fun little sweet moments. So um, a good opportunity to inspire our kids um, to take a stand, you mm -hmm. know, for what matters. And for them, that might be something different right now, um, but it it's a really good film for just kind of getting you fired up. <laughs> yeah. How do you think your own experience as a homeschooling parent informed or, or shaped the way you interacted with this story? Yeah. You know, we've only been homeschooling for about a year and I was homeschooled though. And so it's been something we've been on a journey towards with our own kids for years. And so thankful we're finally able to be, um, be doing that. But I, I do think, um, you know, walking into these scenes, it just felt normal. And mm. I was able to just sort of bring my own my own experience to it. I can't remember if I said this, but when we first read the script, I was like, I'm not even going to have to act. This is just me being me on a day-to-day -day basis, telling my kids, you know, do your, do your work. Um, so that was fun. And um, me and Rebecca McKinnon and I, who is the character that I play have so much in common. Hmm. Um, she was really fun to play because she's a strong character who loves the Lord and loves her kids. 
Well, Francesca, we're just about out of time, but I'd be remiss if I didn't ask you what's going on with your music these days. I know we have some fans of yours in our audience. It's been a few years since the breakup song was nominated for some awards. Can we look forward to anything in the near future? What's going on with you musically? Yeah, so God is Good is a song that I actually wrote for the last album and wanted it to go on that record. I loved it so much. And the Lord was just so clear that it was not for that album. And so Mm. we had it fully done and we just sat on it and really have been holding it close for the last few years. And I knew I wanted it to be on this next record, which we are working on. I don't have a date for you on when it will be, but hopefully soon. Um, But that was really all the vision that I had for it. And then during this film, the last week of filming, um, the director and Dave both asked me like, hey, would you want to maybe write a song? And I was like, of course, I'd love to. That's what I do. And then the last day of filming, the director and I started talking about exactly what he was looking for. And he, he described this moment in the film. And I swear to you, he was describing God as good. He was like, mm. well, I need it to kind of sound like this and a theme that's like this, but not to this. And I was like, well, I may actually have something. It may not be right, but would you listen to it? And he was like, I have chills. He was like, this song is is meant for this film and for this moment. And so it's featured in the film um, and we released it to radio at the same time. And I think, you know, the timeliness of the message, the song is just about how no matter what we're going through, good times, hard times, God is still good. Mm-hmm. And that was true two years ago, three years ago, and I wanted it to be out, but it's, it's so needed now with all that we've all walked through. Um, just to be reminded in this crazy world that God is still good. So that is out now. Hopefully you'll start hearing it um, on radio soon and you can download it on all of the all places. So. Well, very good. Well, any final words for our plugged in show audience today? Man, I'm just so thankful that you guys are here and you're listening. And I would say go get tickets for the film, bring your friends, bring your family. It's only in theaters for three days. It's a special limited release. So if you want to see it, um, you can buy your tickets ahead of time. And it's I think it's October 4th, 5th, and 6th. Is that correct? 4th, 5th, and 6th. Yes, that's right. That's right. And it's a Fathom event. So there'll be some other special interviews. And um, I have a couple of things that we're um, surprising people with at the film before it, you know, so when you get in the theater, you'll see these things and then the film will start. So, um, it's just really important. And I think it's one of those things that you're going to want to see with people. And especially the last, the last scene is incredible. And if you're not standing on your feet, clapping by the end, you know, check your pulse. So um, <laughs> go check it out and let me know what you think. <laughs> All right. Well, Francesca, thanks so much for spending some time with us today. We really appreciate it. Thank you for having me. Great to see you guys. I hope you've enjoyed our discussion about God's Not Dead, We the People, as well as my conversation with Francesca Battistelli today. I don't think there's any doubt that our culture continues to drift from its Judeo-Christian roots. The question is, what will that mean for believers and what is a faith-filled response that we need to engage in as we live in this culture? And I think a movie like God's Not Dead, We the People could potentially be a great catalyst for asking questions about what our responsibility is in this changing culture that we live in. Well, it's now time for a segment we like to call Culture Culture Countdown. Countdown. Paul, I think you're first up this week. (sighs) You have 30 seconds, not 29, not 31, to tell us about something that's happening 
out there in the culture that has to do with faith or technology or teens or some intersection there of, are you ready? I am so ready. All right, here we go. Three, I believe two, you, Paul. one, <laughs> go. So we have all been following the story, the very, very, very sad story of Gabby Petito. Yep. Um, obviously, things are developing quite rapidly, but the reason why I bring this to the table is a lot of people have taken it upon themselves to try to help police solve this crime using social media. The Gabby Petito hashtag has more than 500 million views on TikTok, believe it or not. Wow, 500 million views, but you're going to have to go to our blog entry for today's show. You were trying to help me, Kristen, and I was was thinking, no, it can't be that short, can it? To hear the rest of the story, and now we will go to Kristen. Thank you, Paul, for telling us about the role of social media (laughs) in this case. Kristen, are you ready? I'm ready. All right, you have 30 seconds. Three, two, one go so for a piece of positive news this morning paul (laughs) um i just wanted to talk about an article that i read where there were um parents or there are teachers and coaches that have been prohibited from leading students in prayer and during a um during a football game actually a bunch of uh high school football players stood up and led everybody in prayer after a game i thought that was Super sweet. I love that. I just thought, like, we never get to hear news like that. So, you know. So, all right. So, that's good. That's good. All right, Jonathan, are you ready? I'm ready. All right, I'm going to count you in, brother. You ready? Here we go. Okay. Three, two, one, go. I love the just even the title of this article The Future of Music is Still Vinyl. Yes, vinyl record sales <laughs> yes. are rising and its younger music enthusiasts are driving the trend. I love it. It talks about how vinyl sales are actually up 108% in the first six months of 2021. And this is cool wow. because Feels obviously, like I mean, streaming is still big. Streaming counts for 80% of all music revenue in 2019. Woo-hoo! But vinyl. No, 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 no. I'm sorry, Jonathan. We're going to have to leave it with vinyl. I feel feel your frustration. I had so much more to say. I know, right? All right, Paul. Vinyl is the future of my living room. All my furniture. We're done talking about vinyl. I mean, (laughs) if you're that interested in it. Move on, y'all. Come to our blog entry and check out the link to the article. Paul, could you do the honors for me, please? Yes. Do you want me to count you in? I do, because that feels fair. Three, two, one, go. No, No, I'm teasing. No, no, no. Try it again. Three, Two, one, go. All right. Have you guys heard about the latest viral challenge on TikTok? It's called Devious Licks, which definitely sounds Ew. bad. Um, it, it's, it is devious. I'm not sure where the licking comes in. But in essence, uh, it encourages students to go into different places in their schools and vandalize stuff, stealing toilet paper, oh, taking yeah. down smoke alarms. And there already have been kids arrested and given criminal charges because of... Because. Because. 30 yeah. seconds is tough. I know. I know. But I, I'm playing along. Because you guys talk so slow. We're very, very slow. <laughs> oh, my goodness. All right. Well, we hope That's that you enjoyed... That's the first time anybody's ever accused me of that. <laughs> Not you, Jonathan. You had a lot of inspiration that was interesting. You said yeah. it quickly. Okay. Wow. Anyway. 
And now back to the end of our podcast. Thank you, everybody. I hope that you have enjoyed our culture countdown this week. Obviously, there's tons of stuff going on in our culture every week, and we want to give you just a taste of some things that we think are interesting and important. Uh, you know, you can be the judge of the percentage of those two qualities, <laughs> respectively. Um, and, and we like having a little bit of fun, too. So hopefully you enjoyed that. And we look forward to doing the Culture Countdown again next week. And we want to just say thank you as well for connecting with the Plugged In Show today. And because you have connected with us, we would love to keep our conversation going with you what do you think about the God's Not Dead film franchise? Are these films that you have enjoyed? Are they films that you have questions about? Let us know on Facebook or Instagram. And with our Instagram account, you'll find us at Plugged In Team. Or just shoot us an email at team at thepluggedinshow.com. Either way, let's keep talking. And as a thanks for being a part of the Plugged In Show family, Today, for a gift of any amount, we would love to send you a copy of Focus on the Family Vice President Dr. Danny Huerta's book, Seven Traits of Effective Parenting. You'll find a link to order that book in the episode notes for today's show, as well as on the plugged in blog entry for today's conversation. Or just give us a call at 800 A Family. Well, as always, thanks so much for spending some time with us today, and we look forward to connecting with you next week on another episode of the plugged in show.